Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Huesner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guests' big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are joined today with Matt Landau, who is the founder of VRMB, and I would say one of the largest and most well-known celebrities within our industry and in the travel space. So this is super exciting to have you here today, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. We really yeah. appreciate it. Would you, um, I, I know I've been following you, actually, I think I found you when I was at Expedia and trying to educate the Expedia team about vacation rentals, and you would pop up. Um, but can you tell us or our listeners a little bit about you and kind of where you kind of entered the space and what you're doing now? Uh, sure. In 2006, uh, just after I graduated with a degree in economics, which I promptly did nothing with, <laughs> I found myself in the historic district of Panama City, Panama called Ooh. Casco Viejo or Casco Antiguo. And I was completely smitten with this neighborhood as a traveler. Uh, and I was staying in the only nice place to stay in town, which was a vacation rental a fleet run by two guys from Holland. And I ended up just having a transformative uh, travel experience in this up and coming uh, World Heritage Site. And it showed me in hindsight that where you stay and who you stay with can really open doors and make a destination. It can give you your sense of place. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was really just intrigued by this neighborhood. I was intrigued by the vacation rental business. Um, I ended up helping them with their website, with some marketing, learning a little bit about vacation rentals and purchasing their vacation rental business about one year later with really? a business oh, wow. partner. Yes. And poof, <laughs> so all cool. of a sudden overnight, I was a vacation <laughs> rental manager. Everything went wrong. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> the economics degree did not come through. <laughs> Everything went wrong because there was no competition in town. It was literally the only place to stay. Uh, we were able to not only stay afloat, but we were able to learn from our lessons and we were able to build a pretty nice little business. And mind you, this is back before Airbnb existed. Um, I was doing the basics, you know, making a website, building a brand, uh, doubling down on our logo, things like that we had to do before there were these tools that generated unlimited inquiries. And Annie, it was right in these early days that I started documenting what was working and what right. wasn't working. And I started sharing those tips with other vacation rental managers out there. And that's when I first got in touch with the team at HomeAway. Ooh, I remember okay. Adam and Eileen, they reached out. They said, this is great. Would you be interested in writing some blog posts for us? And I said, sure. 
<laughs> and next thing you know, they invited me to speak at a homoe event in Arizona. And that completely blew my mind. One, that someone would be willing to pay for my flight. And two, that there were all these other people that did vacation rentals for a living like me. Yeah, and yeah. I was hooked. That was my first foray. I ended up building VRMB uh, alongside my vacation rental business until about three years ago, I sold my vacation rental business and started focusing full-time on the educational side on VRMB. Wow. That's so that's cool. It, it's it's <laughs> got to be a very fulfilling thing, I would think, doing what you're doing and the, and the way that you did it. Because obviously, as you were building VRMB, you know, you obviously, you got a lot from the content that you were writing for the industry, but that you were helping other people be able to consume and grow their businesses and, and then to turn that over to now a full-time thing. I, I imagine that's, that's, it's been a lot of fun for you. <laughs> you, you always look like you're having fun at least. It's yeah, so it's fun. <laughs> and it's great advice for anybody in our space. If you have a yeah. great tip, share it, write it down, practice yeah. talking about it and share it. People will eat it up. You'll make yeah. friends and it becomes fun. Yeah. 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 It's so true. I mean, just LinkedIn has become such a great tool for all of us in a way for us to be really become a community globally in vacation rentals. And I think just being able to share, you know, what works in our business and and figure out how we can help other people. It's it's nice. It's nice knowing that you're not the only ones out there that are dealing with a certain issue. So yeah. We talk we talk a lot about um, the collaborative nature of the business, and I know um, having been in vacation rentals prior to my Expedia days. So back around the time you were doing this, I was in vacation rentals, and one of the things that I always noticed is go to conferences and people were very um, protective. They didn't want to share, especially in their own market. They they definitely weren't wanting to share any information. I think fast forward to again the boom of the industry on you know, online bookings and technology, and then obviously what we all went through with COVID. It made everybody realize like we're all in a community together. We need to work together better. Um, so I kind of want to dovetail off of that and talk about what you've done with the VRMB because you've turned it into this whole other community that I know I talk to people all the time that will reference either something that you've posted or I believe your inner circle and, and being a part of that. And so kind of tell us a little bit about how that came to be and and and, and again, what the, maybe the, the goal was it initially and, and where you're taking it. When I started sharing the tips and I started seeing that people were using the tips and getting great use out of the tips and sending me back tips, I kind of got hooked. Yeah. And VRMB started off as vacationrentalmarketingblog.com. It was a blog that was designed to help not sell people, yeah. other vacation rental owners and managers, in turn, building trust and respect for me, the subject matter expert. And mm -hmm. I eventually created an ebook. It cost $97 and it was called Boost Occupancy, How to Increase Your Vacation Rental Bookings. And selling that ebook all of a sudden made me realize there was a way to monetize the collaboration yeah. and the, yeah. the sharing of information. Yeah. As the connector as the facilitator. Yep. Yep. And that's really my strength. I do not consider myself uh, better at managing vacation rentals or brighter than any of our colleagues. In fact, they are the real geniuses when it comes to the hospitality. I just found that distilling information 
observing, reading as much as possible and presenting it to people in ways that could be used to their advantage, I just really enjoyed that. And VRMB really just started off as a, as a blog that was selling a, an ebook on the side. Eventually, I learned that you may have a raving fan, but until you create an, another ebook, you don't get one penny out of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was sort of the birth of the inner circle. Uh, we've since started referring it to it as VRMB community. It's a private community. Um, but it was originally created to store and share all of the ebooks and courses uh, that we were putting together on a regular basis. But very early on, it became evident that vacation rental professionals love to collaborate and they mm -hmm. love to share and they're generous. Yeah. And the community side of joining this private space and having access to everybody else beyond just one subject matter expert became the real strength of the community. And that started off with a couple hundred people. Uh, we recently crossed the 1,000 person hey, mark. Um, I noticed, Alex, you became a member recently. It's lovely yeah, to have you. Yeah, I had to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Got to come in and check it out. But the premise yeah. is that all of the amazing stuff that happens when we collaborate in person at conferences, maybe via email with one another, mm -hmm. that can and should be taking place online 24 seven. Mm -hmm. And we believe that if we can speed up the data rate, the speed of information transfer between professionals, everybody becomes more efficient. And that's was and still is the premise of the private community. We'll be back in a minute after a word from our premier brand sponsor, Wheelhouse, the ultimate revenue driving machine. Yeah, I use Wheelhouse and I love, love, love Wheelhouse. I feel like it's like a, it's like a Mac version of pricing, right? It's you can just kind of dive in and start pushing a bunch of stuff. You're not going to break anything, but you can kind of just learn it. And then they have so many great tutorials. And luckily for me, their customer service has been amazing also, which is really important to me. So if I have a question, I can actually get somebody to respond. That's John Hildebrand, owner of Hildy Homes. John opened his business in 2019 and manages a small portfolio of luxury homes in Scottsdale, Arizona, where he prides himself on being able to create a truly five-star guest experience. We asked John what it was like trying to figure out a pricing strategy as a newcomer to the industry. Well, when I first started, I didn't even know any of that stuff exists. I just was doing it all manually. And I'm like, this is so much work to try to figure out pricing all the time. So I did try price labs for a little bit, but for me, it was too PC. It was very complicated. Somebody showed me Wheelhouse and I just kind of dove in and I was like, oh, this is a lot easier. So then I've been using Wheelhouse ever since. There are lots of tools on the market that can help you with pricing and revenue management. So we wanted to know, what impact has Wheelhouse had on John's bottom line? We'll find out later in the show. It's all part of Wheelhouse's Spotlight on Exceptional Property Managers. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And there, there's so many things in there that I'm sure, Annie, you're you're thinking the same thing that I am, that it just reminds me of a lot of um, ideas that we've had for what we want to do with our podcast and just kind of the premise of it that, you know, the connector, that's that's the word that Annie and I are always referred to and refer, refer to each other as connectors. And that's really what we enjoy doing and connecting the dots you know, uh, between inspiration and opportunity. That's one of our taglines. 
And I, I, I think it's great what you've done. And I think the conferences, they serve a wonderful purpose for all of us to be able to meet and have that in-person collaboration. But really, it's about, like you said, just keeping that information going throughout the year and in a timely manner that when you need an answer to something, you're able to get it. You don't have to wait until Verma Spring Forum or whenever the next event is to be able to actually, you know, get in front of some people and and not just vendors. I think that's an important part too, that it's it's helpful to ask for vendors there, the experts and whatever it is that they're selling, but it's also really helpful to ask the people that are using the software or trying to solve that challenge on their own, how they've made it through. On that, um, I think one of the things that Alex and I have been really focused on is the need for education. Um, we've got a lot of people that have entered the space in the last, you know, I'd say 24 months because it became, you know, we always knew it was the cool place to be, but everybody else kind of figured it out. And there's a lot of people entering the space that either don't know where to go search for that information, or they just don't know what the questions are that they should be asking. So we've got challenges that kind of feed over into, um, you know, in the municipalities where regulation is concerned. And so not only educating people so they understand what the, what it means to be an operator, but also that they are not indirectly by um, not knowing and not searching for the answers affecting what is being regulated. Um, so I'd love to talk to you because I think you have a pretty good, a pretty broad picture. And before we got on, we were talking about how different it is in Europe. And I think that there is a definitely a different mentality kind of in each super region as to how they operate. But having a good source of truth for education and understanding and access to information is really important. And I'd kind of love to hear your take on where we are as an industry and how we kind of bring everybody together to further that education so that, you know, moving over into the advocacy conversation, everybody's on the same page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a huge question is something I think about <laughs> regularly. So yeah. um, I may ramble here. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's a loaded question. It's good one, Annie. <laughs> I think about hubs and VRMB community attempts to be a virtual hub where people can go and connect. Um, but more often than not, we're talking about physical hubs, geographic hubs, places that unite people. And when we look at advocacy, the destination is what everybody in that market has in common. It's what they're Mm -hmm. all defending and what they all need to pool their resources towards. And I can't think through any big solution to that question without an important role of local alliances, um, whether it's a chapter of a bigger organization or a grassroots alliance that formed, uh, or just five leaders who get together one weekend because they're scared that they're going to lose their businesses and they step up and lead. So hubs are really important, uh, whether it's an organization that you're supporting like VRMA, uh, whether it's a short-term rental alliance where everybody must be on the same page to speak with a unified voice to effectuate any change or else, or virtual spaces, I think, where the best people congregate. And one of my big uh, pet peeves prior to forming the community was how social media tends to 
um, reward, let's just say content that's not always the most educational. Right. (laughs) Yeah, these algorithms are are built for (laughs) newsworthy content. Right. Yeah. That's their goal. Yeah. And that makes for a lot of noise and distractions when you're actually trying to find a good answer to a good question. Yeah. Um, So I always like to recommend that you're aware of the space, the hub in which you are working. You're aware of who is operating it and what kind of information you're seeing. You're aware of the objectives of the hub. I think in the case of a short-term rental alliance, again, for those who are listening, if you don't know if your destination has a short-term rental alliance, go look right now. Hopefully there is, and you can join. If there's not, you need to begin to create one because until these local regions have alliances that unite voices, the regions will never be united together. Mm -hmm. Right. That is the hardest and longest slog in the industry right now. Shout out to groups like Rent Responsibly and anybody who works on advocacy, period, as a slog. The other angle, of course, is from the top down. If one person can effectuate a whole bunch of change, that's also great. On the advocacy front, that's a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen a lot of um, progress on that front in our industry over the last few years. Uh, But educating vacation rental stakeholders, and in a lot of cases, the people who interact with our businesses, such as neighbors and guests, that's the role of the professional, Mm -hmm. whether we like it or not. We are ambassadors and we are educators. For people in our industry, that means uniting and sharing best practices and attempting to speak with unified voices. And for others, it's calibrating the expectations so that people who are getting into the space for the first time, whether it's their first stay or um, they're going to be a vacation rental host, they need to have realistic expectations. And I know you guys love the the not an Airbnb comment is great because yeah. it's not an Airbnb. Yeah. It's right, a craft. Right. Yeah, yeah it's a, exactly. It's a profession. Yeah. 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 You're not Kleenex. <laughs> yeah. There, not there's Kleenex. a lot of work to be done on that, but I think we're, we are excited about, there's definitely been a realization, I think in the, in the last, uh, you know, year of how important that's going to be going forward to make sure that we don't let that happen. Cause Kleenex or um, Xerox or any of these situations have happened in the past where, you know, something became the brand of, an, of a whole product or industry, it wasn't going to put out of business all the other ones that were that were their competitors, right? So this is a very unique situation that we're in that the the stakes are very high. And I, I, I think you mentioned, you know, just the importance of bringing those stakeholders together right now. One thing that we talk about a lot on the show and that Annie and I are very invested in is how we get um, the local chambers, CVB, DMOs, more involved with short-term rentals. And we've had some opportunities come about, one of which is going to be this fall, a conference called Desticon that Jennifer Barbie is putting this on in Louisiana. And this is going to be the first one, but she wants to bring this to multiple markets across the U.S. and to bring the smaller DMOs that might not go to the you know international events or national events together to talk about how they can work with short-term rentals in their markets. So there's definitely interest there, but, you know, I think 
we both come from markets where the chamber CVB DMO is very strong. And I know that's not always the case in every market, but if a market does have one of those entities, chances are they already have some really good legislative ties and they have the ability to help further the mission of if you put together your own local alliance or local rent responsibly chapter. So that's one thing that we're really leaning into and hopefully giving some visibility because I think right now it's about everybody wants the same thing at the end of the day. I really believe that. I think the communication is just where things are missed and there's a better way forward for each of those different organizations. Amen. I love that idea. Yeah. So one one thing that you talk a lot about, and I, I, I've only heard it just through your, your podcast, but I know at your events, you really go into detail on the theory of limited edition. Can you tell us more about that? I think it's just yes. sounds really incredible. Yes. Um, when I first moved to the historic district there in Panama, I was walking around with a realtor and she explained to me that because this was a UNESCO World Heritage Site, uh, there were strict uh, restrictions on building. You couldn't just build up or out. You always had to preserve the facade and, and approximately the floor plan of these historic buildings. And she said, for these reasons, there will only ever be a fixed amount of properties on the market. Mm-hmm. She said, for this reason, it's what I call a limited edition investment. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'll take two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the urgency for sure. <laughs> but I just love that. And I started using it um, as often as possible. I started watching um, Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great show. I watched yeah. way too many hours of that. <laughs> and that's the show for those who haven't seen it in which people bring in objects that they found in their attic or that their grandmother passed down. And a specialist explains the provenance, the Uh background of that object and its value. And oftentimes the value is like hilarious. You know, it's a a pen (laughs) that's worth $200,000. Yeah, yeah. And I started observing the patterns of the most valuable objects. And they were not made of more expensive materials. They rather had this strict limited supply. So that pen that was used to sign some important document, there's only one of them, or maybe two of them, or maybe six of them ever created. So that strict limited supply was one running characteristics about, uh, about these objects. The other was that they were fetching top dollar, compared to their average counterparts, that was commanding respect from the buyer in a way that was drawing these loyal people who collect pens (laughs) to the object. And what happened after that was that these people who were obsessed with the pens became friends. Okay. They created (laughs) these little pen communities. Right. Because they're all obsessed with pens. (laughs) So I started connecting dots here and I said, vacation rentals as a category is predicated on character and personality. And if we were to apply the dynamics of collector's items with what we do for a living, 
suddenly you start to see these rules that you should be operating by that create a one of a kind positioning for you mm -hmm. and your business. Mm -hmm. And especially in this time when big money is flowing in, those who create the limited edition moat aren't playing by the same terms. And they've created these niches for themselves that are so um, unique, that are valuable. The multiple of these businesses is significantly greater. Mm -hmm. And it is true to themselves. And so the theory of limited edition is comprised of four rules, four pillars. Should I share them? Yes, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first is family. Okay. Owned and or operated. Yep. Okay. The second is local. Yep. Locally based, mm -hmm. not headquartered uh, across the country. The third is specialized mm -hmm. in a particular property type or special interest or even geography. It could be the same building, street, neighborhood. Yep. The fourth is surprises. The delightful surprises that you get when you stay at a boutique hotel engineered into the business model. So these four things, family, local, specialized, and surprises. If we focus on these four things and we repeat them day yeah. in and day out in our businesses, we end up forging this limited edition moat. Yeah. And as a reminder, those letters spell out floss. <laughs> <laughs> which is a <Okay>. reminder <laughs> that you must do it regularly yep. every single day, everybody on your team repeating this, these value propositions. And what you will find is that suddenly the guests that are choosing your rentals in their inquiries, they'll start saying, oh, I noticed you were a family owned business. We have one as well. Yeah. Or we were looking for a locally based manager mm -hmm. because the yep. last time we stayed with someone who was headquartered elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Oh, specialized in lakefront homes for large yeah. groups. That's us. Yeah. Yep. So all of these things repeated regularly end up creating the limited edition positioning, which yep. I believe is fun. And I believe is perfectly cut out for the vacation rental sector, where if you lose that element of character, uh, you've lost your place. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Well, I, 100%. I'm glad that you've told us those four things. And Happy to say, I think our business here at Condo World fits all four. So that makes me proud to be part of it. But that's the best really, part. Most people, they, they're like, oh, we already do these things. Right. Like, yeah. Right. yeah. I, think, I mean, we just, we they're don't reinventing the wheel. But I think we need to. But so that kind of goes into my next question of limited edition. The way that you started that story was, I mean, there was, you know, limited properties that you could buy there and then the limited amount of pens. We, there's not a, I mean, there's, there's a cap, but we have a lot of properties. So if you're a company that has, you know, hundreds of units, it's not that it's limited, but it's more, it's more in the, in the mindset. But I think it's, you have to be careful how you say that. So it doesn't look like you don't have a lot of it, I guess, so that the consumer doesn't feel that way. Um, but I, how, how do companies at scale take limited edition and do it well? And have you seen, do you have any examples of ones that have? That's the billion dollar, the $76 billion question. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That's the question that our industry is riding on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm as awesome that you put your finger exactly on it. 
I think limited edition has evolved over the years. And I think of it now as relative mm -hmm. phrase. So to a company with 50 properties, somebody with one property who's just oozing a character is significantly more limited edition. Right. Yeah, for sure. To a company with 5,000 properties, the company with 50 is significantly more limited edition. Mm -hmm. Now, step outside the vacation rental sector and say to a company like Marriott, a company like Vtrips or Casago are supremely limited edition. Yeah. So we have to ask ourselves, one, what kind of limited edition do we want our businesses to be? That's really important first and foremost. But in terms of how we scale it, I keep going back to the irrefutable, which is character is the number one um, reason people choose vacation rentals mm -hmm. outside of the obvious. Number two, each home is different. Yep. Each home has its own homeowner. Yeah, yeah. In most cases, some weird new models out there. But in most cases, every home has its own homeowner who bought it for a reason. They're each different. All the decorations yeah. are different. This is the both the best part about it and... And the, the worst. worst <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, God, not yeah. this again. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, because it, I mean, it goes to the professional side of things. You know, the, that concept of, okay, we could standardize, we could make all of our linens, you know, all white. So it's more like a hotel experience. But what does that take away from the experience of being in that home or that condo? And it does, but you're spot on. I mean, the companies like a V-Trips or a Casago that are doing that well at scale, huge kudos to them because that's it's not an easy thing. I also learned something from being on the road with both those companies for a number of months doing some yeah. filming standards are a luxury in our industry. Standards give you first mover advantage, mm -hmm. which sounds weird to say, because if you have one property, you have standards. Yeah. But your one property is one of a whole bunch in any given destination. And it's a complete crapshoot as a guest, as a traveler, myself included. If I don't know someone in any given destination, I'm booking it's Russian roulette. Mm -hmm. It's unpredictable, and that's why some degree of standards that are served to the traveler become suddenly a game changer. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to be the most limited edition business if what you're focusing on is that wide-scale standardization. Yeah. And those two companies that I just mentioned, that's what they do. Yeah. And I think that is tremendously innovative and it's very different than the person with one property doing limited edition. But I think at, at the core of everybody who's trying to make money and enjoy this industry, the core is exactly how you phrase it. How do we scale that one of a kind uh, experience that makes vacation rentals great? It's mm -hmm. interesting. Um Living in a market where the largest publicly traded vacation rental management company purchased several uh, groups over the years, 
they were the ones they purchased were limited edition. They had very specific ways of doing business and treating their guests and their branding. And they were very well known for, for that. And watching that get wiped off the market, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the color, the flavor, the, the impact that they had watching that go away was really disconcerting for me living here, but also disconcerting for me just being in the industry. And, and, and again, the, I've heard people, you know, the homogenization of vacation rentals, and we can't get to that point. We do need some, some standards. We do need some things that I think people could say that they could, they always can depend on, but what makes vacation rentals great is exactly what you're talking about. It's all the uniquenesses from every little community. Mm -hmm. You know, you've been to the panhandle, I'm sure a million times, Panama city beach and Dustin are completely different. And then right in between it, you've got 30A, which has 14 different markets within its own. And so I think that trying to to draft a a business model at 30,000 feet to have everything be the same from market to market is a little, um, it's just, it it, it takes away what the excitement is of vacation rentals. So Mm -hmm. I think what you're talking about is is spot on. But I did want to, you mentioned um, you spent some time on the road with with V-Trips and Casa Go. So this goes into the next part we wanted to talk to you about was your home runners. Yeah, we're so excited to, to hear be? more about we that. Got to watch, <laughs> we got to watch the first one um, a little bit Steve shared with us, and it was incredible. Um, yeah. Having known of Steve and known Steve for several years, it really changed my personal opinion of him, humanized him mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't know was possible. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> you did a phenomenal job. And I say that with all due respect. I think Steve, Steve knows he's a difficult person at times. And so it really kind of just brought him down to like, okay, he gets like what we all do every day and how challenging it is. And it's not just a business for him. There's mm-hmm. a lot of passion derived from what he's doing and you were able to bring that out. So great job, but kind of tell us about how homerunners came to be. Yeah, sure. Um, I will hand it to him. In the early days of VRMB's film uh, projects, so this was back when we were filming Sense of Place, which is our travel show. Mm-hmm. And at the time it was sponsored by Booking.com. And Steve and I shared a taxi in Spain. And I had never um, really spent more than a couple seconds around Steve. And he, I said, what do you think of the show? And he said, oh, I think it's good. And he <laughs> said, but you should really do one about the managers too. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you've got this travel show, which shows how to experience a destination uh, like a local yeah. by choosing the right vacation rental property and the right uh, owner or manager. What you should also do is the companion series and go behind the scenes and show what it actually takes to do the management thing properly. And I said, nice idea, but not for me. Right. And it did sit in my mind for a number of years. Uh, We continued doing our travel show. I started getting to know Steve uh, and his business. And eventually, full circle, about a year back, um, it dawned on me that he was correct he was ahead of ahead of its time, at least in my mind, um, certainly in my creative mind. But suddenly I realized what he was trying to get at. 
And the premise was, if we're going to be telling the story of vacation rentals to the world, we need to show the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. And that bad and the ugly is what was going ignored by pretty much every storyteller out there making money off of our industry from reality TV producers to uh, headlines about scams and crimes to um, get rich quick salesmen mm. promising that you two can make a million dollars. Yeah. Get a Ferrari yeah. off yeah. of Airbnb. Yeah. 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 That's where my mind immediately went to when you said that it was a few years ago that he brought that up and that it had to have been post COVID that you changed your mind on this was actually a great idea because it, that is what's happened. And I think that's led to a lot of the problems, the Airbnb, the legislative issues is that the media has made it seem like it is easy to run these businesses and that there it, it's like get rich quick and it's just passive income. And uh, that's, that's not, not the case for, you know, what we're trying to defend of an industry that we all love so much. So I, th- I think the show will be very well received and you've got such a huge audience now because yeah. I mean, short-term rentals have just exploded that it's not just, I think it'll be interesting for vacationers, but I think you're, kind of B2B sell on that is is vastly larger than it was even a few years ago. So the timing on it seems like it's Perfect. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is because everyone knows approximately what our industry is, but no one yeah. knows that there is a professional category in which yeah. a whole bunch of geniuses are running around right. building little hospitality empires. And in right, some cases, right. they're one, one property. Yeah. But they're yeah. so bright and they're so thoughtful and they're revolutionizing uh, revolutionizing hospitality. Yeah. And that's a story that we think the rest of the world will get into the same way uh, that you don't have to be a chef in order to appreciate chef's table. Right. Exactly. You yeah. just have to like food. It's, well, it's about travel. storytelling, you know, and you're, you're yes. a great storyteller. And I think this is going to be a great show, but at, at the end of the day, what all we do is about people and when you look at the companies that have scaled well with limited edition, a Costco or a V-Trips, they've done that because they've invested in their people. They empower them to feel connected, that they are part of the outcomes and what this means to people and families that are checking in with them. I think when you get people invested at that level, that's really what ensures the success and and in other companies that have tried to do it on a national level, I don't think that's been the case. So I think both of those two companies are set up well to, you know, really take the limited edition to scale, but it's, we're so excited to see the, the whole event on (laughs) just unveil. We we saw the first episode with Steve and uh, we saw the preview of the one with, with Steve and Casago, but just very excited for all of it. Can we tell people about our special event in October? Yes, yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Can't believe we waited yeah. so long. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we, I'm speaking on behalf of all three of us, yeah. will be uh, in Las Vegas on the kickoff evening of VRMA International, premiering, world premiering. World premiere, global. Yeah, <laughs> world premiering the first episode of Home Runners. It will be a free event. Uh, please RSVP. We'll be adding a way to do yes. that. Uh, but we're going to make a big to-do out of it. And we'll have Focus right there who will be doing some interviews with the cast up on stage. And we really want to just have our moment, our coming out moment to the world. Yeah. This is yeah. what professional vacation <laughs> rentals are capable of yeah. in a room full of our colleagues who do this regularly. We think you will laugh. 
We think you will scoff. You may throw some fruits and vegetables at the stage. That's fine. That's vacation rentals. And so that's yeah. October 23rd. And maybe we can include a link in the uh, in the show yeah, notes. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And and so our involvement on this, and thank you very much for asking us to participate. We are going to be hosting the red carpet as everybody enters to see the premiere. So we are very, very excited about that. And we've got a list of some different celebrities that we will be interviewing on their way in. And uh, we'll be making sure that all those celebrity guests have their uh, black tie <laughs> and formal gowns on. That was one of Steve Milo's requirements. So <laughs> it, it's going to be a lot of fun and yeah. we're, we're just very excited to participate. Where do you, where do you see? Um, so you've, you've filmed two episodes. Are you, I think you're still working on the second, but how many episodes do you think it's going to be? And then, and where do you see this going? Like, is this mm-hmm. something that you plan on getting on discovery network and it becoming, or going on Netflix, um, something similar to the, 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 uh, series that they have about the, the world's most, um, amazing vacation rentals, like something along the, those lines. We'll be back in a minute after a word from our premier brand sponsor, Wheelhouse, the ultimate revenue driving machine. But Wheelhouse for me has been game changer. I mean, I probably make 30, 40% more revenue and, and definitely get a lot more bookings because of it. We're back with John Hildebrand from Hildy Homes. Revenue management still requires a human touch and it helps to have an outside source to validate your thinking. How does Wheelhouse's support help John know if he's making the right pricing decisions? Mostly, I just talk strictly with the customer service over there. I'm like, yeah. hey, my one property is kind of slow. Am I doing something wrong? Can you mind looking at it, my pricing? And they're usually pretty amazing. They'll jump in. They'll look at it. They're like, okay, you know, it's really saturated right now. And you're in a slow market uh, this time of month. But the next two months, it looks like it's going to pick up. Wheelhouse is offering listeners of this podcast 50% off your first two months. Go to usewheelhouse.com and enter promo code AlexAnnie or contact them and mention this podcast. Indeed, uh, we've always used YouTube as our primary distribution channel. And something not a lot of people know is that the way people used to spend money on television advertising, you pay NBC to show your ad in between the Super Bowl, let's say. Mm -hmm, Right. Um, That same dynamic can be wielded using YouTube paid advertising, which allows for much more focused um, and targeted demographic uh, advertising than anything else. Mm -hmm. So we have historically loved that because it shows us where our viewers are coming from. Uh, It allows us to reach new audiences. It allows us to see what parts of each episode are viewed the most. Mm -hmm. And this is all super interesting for us because we feel really strongly about owning all of our content and all of our creative. In fact, this whole film thing got started when I was asked to film a makeover style vacation rental show. And it was by a reality TV producer that's done a bunch of shows that we all know. And immediately I said no, because it was so obvious what they were going to do to my brand and my reputation. Right. (laughs) And that overnight success just was not a narrative that I was ready to get behind. Um, And they would have owned all the creative and owned all the content. So in passing on that opportunity, my mentor challenged me. He said, if you're going to pass on something that big, you need to come up with your own idea. You're following up with something else. (laughs) So that was our first big lesson in requiring that we owned all the creative and the content as we built it. 
Uh, however, YouTube can only go so far in terms of distribution. As you mentioned, there's different platforms that reach different groups in different ways. So our goal for Home Runners is indeed to continue filming. We just finished filming the Casago episode that's in post-production um, to continue filming and to pursue these different platforms uh, that likely don't know anything about vacation rentals other than it's kind of a sexy topic right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we think we have a good case there, but we also have a pretty neat backup plan, which is a built-in closed network of hundreds of thousands of very highly targeted screens throughout the world. And that is the vacation rental management community. Yeah, yeah. So we started thinking to ourselves as a backup for no, if nothing else, who would this content be great for? And back to our conversation about conveying professionalism, yeah. uh, setting expectations, pulling back the curtain, even if it's ugly. Mm -hmm. We thought a good demographic for that would be people who are staying in vacation homes. And if every vacation home within the community had a place where you could watch home runners materials, we have kind of a built-in way of hacking the system in that sense. So this is new territory for me, uh, but I tend to like looking at the resources that we currently have already, as opposed mm -hmm. to crossing our fingers that we're going to find some kind of deal. Um, while we pursue those options, um, this will be our, our standing plan. Okay. Wow. That's a great plan. And I yeah. think no matter which way it goes, you're definitely going to help a lot of people and entertain people and make them laugh and make them want to go on vacation. So that's what it's all yes. about at the end of the day. Have but, you identified the the next um, yeah, managers you're going to work with? Not yet. You know, it's quite it's been quite a um, learning experience, this, this project. Our travel show was a relatively linear process. We'd go to a new destination having pre-chosen our host uh, through the community, having pre-chosen an iconic vacation home. We kind of knew everything was going to be great. We'd do the experiences. I'd write an essay and then poof, we got ourselves an episode. Mm -hmm. Home Runners is a very different creative process in that we don't know the stories that we are diving into fully. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I think we probably still don't yeah. <laughs> have a full grasp on them but we go in like true documentarians and we just start paying attention and taking notes. And we spend a lot of time with, uh, with these companies in different destinations, with different employees, different people that interact with the companies yeah. and slowly, sometimes more slowly than I would like <laughs> a story starts to take shape. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to see, okay, maybe these are the, the most important elements of this mm -hmm. particular company that the world needs to, needs to know. And that is such a nonlinear process. It's yeah, um, yeah. insane. So we made a rule. We're not taking on new projects until we have basically got the end of one project yeah. near completion. Yeah. Uh, and we're currently towards the end of Casago uh, episode, which will be uh, just under 45 minutes, uh, which should be ready around the time, if not soon after uh, VRMA International as well. Oh, that's awesome. So we'll be able to watch both of those on YouTube once the premiere happens. You know, we'll be able to watch them for anybody who's listening here. We'll play, place a link, whether it's <laughs> YouTube or a private server, one, one will work. 
Okay. Okay. Well, make sure you send those links to us so that we can get that updated for everybody. But yeah, no, that's super exciting. So one other question I wanted to ask you about, you just had an incredible retreat that you and um, Steve Schwab from Costco put on uh, the Keystone retreats. Can you tell us a little bit about that concept and how they went? Sure. And thanks for um, mentioning that Steve uh, had been nudging me, let's say, for years to take the virtual energy that was happening in our VRMB's community daily and to channel it into a physical event. And for years, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> you notice a theme about my brainstorming. Yeah. I was going to say, you say no first and then yeah. slowly it, out, right? it becomes yeah. a better idea. And then slowly, it takes me years to realize what they were talking about. Good to know. <laughs> so the, on this particular case, we ended up spending a lot of time with Steve and Ryan at Casago filming. And we had a lot of the same concerns, um, a lot of the same ideas about the power of small group collaborations. And frankly, I had never attended a retreat before or a mastermind type group. I was in one uh, um, on Skype one time, but I know people talked about retreats in a different way than they talked about uh, online stuff and the way they talked about large conventions. Mm -hmm. And so the idea slowly emerged, why not have a little prototype event in which we have leading operators. We made a conscious decision not to have any vendors there um, in which the costs of the event would be covered by ticket sales, uh, which is to say there wouldn't be a need for sponsorship, which influences things one way or another. And to retreat and to unite these small groups and to see what happens. And leading up until the first arrival day, I was completely terrified. Really? <laughs> completely terrified. I have some of my, the people I revere most in the entire world took a gamble to come attend this thing with no information. Yeah. And I'm going to blow it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do if they get there and you don't know what to talk about? No I pressure. Not, I was not, I was having nights in which I wasn't sleeping. Oh my god. I was goodness. having bad dreams. And I would wake up and I would go refine my program and I would, you know, go for a run or something like that. And it was terrifying. Um, but the moment the first group arrived, all of that anxiety subsided. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Because back to your comment, Alex, about the people. When you put like-minded people who are different from one another, who are not part of the same old club, mm-hmm. but who are new, who are strangers, when you put them in one space and you allow them to interact, the programming stuff is actually um, just second fiddle. It's in the I background. Think. Yeah. It's the yeah. background. Yeah. It's yeah. the relationships that yeah. are being built there. Yeah. 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 No shortage of things to talk about, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it just fostered <laughs> oh, great yeah. conversation. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, nonstop talking. Like I would, I had this cowbell that I would have. To <laughs> I heard about the cowbell. Yeah, we saw a lot about yeah, you, the cowbell. That's probably the opposite cowbell. of what you thought. You probably had a harder time getting everybody to to refocus because they were just in, you know, engulfed in their own conversations. Right. Completely. Yeah. And 
they, they would have gone on forever had we not <laughs> and, and moved on, on to the next, uh, the next scheduled event. But well, the big thing that I learned in that whole experience was growth requires uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in leading up to the event, I was so uncertain and I was so confused and I had been challenged by various people who put on these events for a living with questions that I simply had, didn't have the answers to. Right. Yeah. And only at the end of the fourth cohort did I realize that I just went through the unraveling yeah, and then the building back up process that we designed for our attendees to go through that discovery process. I went through it myself mm-hmm. in figuring out what do we want out of this little retreat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a really cool learn personal learning experience for me. I, I, have started seeing things very differently. And I certainly still deeply appreciate everybody who showed up with no, with no way of explaining to their spouses what the hell it was. Yeah, (laughs) Plenty of them afterwards were like, honey, I still couldn't even describe it to you. But we know there's something cool there. The commentary that came out of it that we've, I know that I've seen was just like, people just were again, appreciative that somebody put something together just for them, that there was, they didn't feel the pressure of having a vendor that was there that's to make them feel uncomfortable. Um, but to your, your point about you learning as you go kind of thing. And one of the things that Alex and I touched on almost instantly when we decided we we're going to do the podcast mm-hmm. was like, just get so uncomfortable. Like the more uncomfortable yeah. you get, the more learnings you're going to have. So you yeah. just had that experience and now you're going to be able to do these events without even thinking about it and go to your net, you know, be pushed to your next really uncomfortable place to yeah. do something amazing. That's beautiful. I think it's also worth pointing out that get do all the uncomfortable things so long as you've got like some good people around you. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a yeah. it's a great point. And just looking back over, you know, my career and even the last year, you, you look back on the things that made you nervous or apprehensive to do, and then now it's like that's that's nothing compared to the next thing that you have that you're looking ahead on that. Now that is what is making you nervous, but life is definitely about connecting those dots and those moments. And as you said earlier, you're a connector, Annie and I definitely are too. So I I, I knew we would have a lot to uh, share today and a lot in common. So mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, Matt, it's, it's nice to finally actually meet you and talk to you. I know it's not, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's virtual, but I've just admired you for a really long time. And I know that there were some things that got reshared that you had posted several, several years ago. And I remember reading what you were writing. And, and again, I, I was at Expedia at the time, but having come from the management side of it, I was like, this guy understands it. And I would tell people, you know, you need to read what he's writing. Like he gets it. He understands. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. But because I'm not in it anymore, I can't tell you for certain that this is what's happening today. But you just have always had a really good eye and grasp and and your ability to wordsmith everything in a way that is is understandable by regard anybody in the industry. It's not so deep that it it gets confusing. You've done a really great job and you've been a, a tremendous advocate. So I'm honored to finally meet you and I'm looking forward to doing this homeowner stuff with you in Las Vegas and hopefully yeah. it'll be just the beginning of more things that we can do together. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. <laughs> Amen, Annie. And I think for all of our listeners, um, it takes practice. 
talking about what you do for a living because you do it naturally. That's your full-time gig. Talking about the best practices takes practice yes, and yeah. repetition. And all three of us started out by doing one thing, and that was sharing our original thoughts mm-hmm. and not just copying what everybody else was saying, but sharing our original thoughts as simply as social media or on a blog or yep. on a podcast. Yeah. And that takes some damn courage. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it yeah. does. It's a little terrifying, yeah. but I think a lot of our colleagues who have it in them. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. We're We've wanting. got several, several of our upcoming guests were at the retreat that you just had <laughs> and they are part of what we've dubbed our all-stars of exceptional property managers that we're going to be bringing on to have conversations. It sounds like similar to what, what, what you're talking about at these retreats, but we, we agree. I think there's so many great minds in our industry and a lot of them that don't always have a voice to share, or they might not feel comfortable at a conference asking a question or getting up and doing a presentation. I mean, that's that's still scary to a lot of us. So uh, I think podcasting has been a great way of just giving giving some voice and some very well-deserved notoriety to these people that are really exceptional within their own businesses yeah. and communities. And I think building your personal brand is something that everybody um, can probably do a little better. Yeah. A little yeah. more these days. Yeah. Whether um, you're working for another company right now or yourself, it compounds the yes. investing in that brand and sharing those original thoughts regularly. It it adds up over time. Who knows you'll, who you'll be working with five or ten years from now? But every deposit in that piggy bank uh, goes towards it. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Personal brand is definitely very important. <laughs> we, we believe we that. We focus strongly. on that a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, Matt, thank you so much for being here today. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way for them to contact you? Um, you can use my email. It's on every one of our newsletters. It's Matt with two T's at vrmb.com. And if you want to sign up for the newsletter, it's a free weekly mailer. I missed the last couple of weeks because I was inside of a Vortex. We'll begin yeah. with the mailers again th- this coming this week. Okay. Uh, and that's at vrmb.com. Okay, great. And we will include information for where people can sign up for the homerunners event also. Yes. Um, and then as we get closer, if there are any links, um, somebody's listening to this later on, we'll update to make sure that those are there for people to go back and, and watch it when everything's yes. live and visible to the out to the world. <laughs> yes. But, If anybody wants to contact Annie and I, you can go to alexanddannypodcast.com. And until the next time, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Thanks, Matt. Ciao.